You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 449, ahoy, it's the quiz on the ocean wave. What's the deal with the sugar babes? And we say hurrah for Yacht Rock and Northern Soul. That's all coming up after the Doobie Brothers and What a Fool Believes.
Maybe we all have songs we can listen to over and over and never tire of them. That's one of mine. Uh, we're talking about Yacht Rock later, and this should be nailed into any Yacht Rock playlist. Um, featuring the fabulous voice of Michael McDonald, number 31 in the UK, number one on the Billboard Hot 100. From 1979, the Doobie Brothers and What a Fool Believes. And a rare example for me of the British charts getting it wrong and the American mm. charts getting it right. I would have thought that would have been a much bigger hit over here. Well, how disappointing, because that is a, a glorious tune. When, when I'm DJing out occasionally, I've played that before and people go a bit a bit nuts for it, really. It's a, it's a really much-loved song, I think. And Michael McDonald is one of those singers who I think he's lots of people's favourite singer without them knowing who he is, if you see what I mean. If you, it's if, an unmistakable voice, isn't it? So it? It is unique. You know, that word's overused, but it is a unique voice. You hear Michael McDonald you know it's his voice even yeah, if you don't know his name as you and say. I, th- I think that's it and I, I there's a I bought a, a Norman Jay compilation a little while ago solely for the fact that it had the Sancho Man version of the Pink Panther theme on it which is sort of a reggae <laughs> version which again is a very popular set opener for me but um, that's got Michael McDonald's doing uh, Living for the City by Stevie Wonder and it's Ooh. a really good version I would recommend it I'll look out for that because I love his voice mm, that's brilliant Hello and thanks for joining us for the Parish Council podcast. It's episode 449. I'm Terence Stackham and now let's just check. She's two metres away. (laughs) Yeah, we can carry on. It's Juliet Harris. I think technically between us, there's about 150 miles between us, I think, at the moment. So I think we just about <laughs> qualify for social distancing. But yes, hello. Here I am on the sunny south coast where, fortunately, we are now made it abundantly clear that we do not want day trippers in Hastings at the moment. I'm very sorry, but we don't. We also don't want people to come to their second homes and people are finally getting the message and we're very relieved about that. So I was able to have a socially distanced uh, government mandate wander past the birthplace of Alan Turing earlier on so that was very pleasant but yes I'm I'm here I'm sat I'm I'm so if I'm less than two meters away from my microphone is that still okay because this is going to be challenging otherwise it, it, it would be we, we'd be hearing you going hello I'm all right I'm over here if you uh, if you did that so that wouldn't work at all yeah. I'm just over here. Yes, yeah. I'm just over here. <laughs> As mentioned, we'll be talking about Yacht Rock later and also learning a bit more about uh, Juliet's new radio shows, one yes, of which exactly. is all about your Yacht Rock. So on that note, this week's quiz is on a nautical theme. Mm. Uh, I'm going to play you the listener and you the Juliet. Five yep. tracks. Mm. <laughs> Hello there. Are you, are you there? You're not, Hello. Yeah. Yes. Yep. <laughs> they're all <laughs> yes i'm here <laughs> they all have a seafaring or aquatic element to them in the title now one or two of these may be slightly trickier than usual so they're going to roll out over 40 seconds i'm being very generous instead of the <laughs> usual 30 so, so i get eight seconds a clip instead of six seconds your generosity knows exactly those two seconds could make all the difference here's hoping Yes. Uh, <laughs> five <laughs> points for the keyword in each title and five bonus points for identifying the artists. So 10 points in total. You win if you score seven and there's an easy one to get you going. Oh, lovely. Thank you. And our friends are all aboard. Many more of them live next door. Is it worth A new winter coat and shoes for the wife
Oh, there's another king or a prince of yacht rock there right at the end. Absolutely. So, uh, so uh, the first one, thank you for the very easy softball. The key word is submarine. Yes. It's the yellow one belonging to the Beatles. Yeah, good. That's two points. Excellent. I'm pleased. Second one, shipbuilding, I think, is the song. Ooh, no, I wondered whether you, that you know, because, again, before your time, but yes, it is. But who was singing it, Juliet Lucy I, I'm going to bank on the fact that it was the sort of the most widely known original version, which is Robert Wyatt. Correcto. Four points. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that, actually. And uh, the part of the reason that I came from... by Elvis Costello, wasn't it? I think it was, and Suede did a cover version for uh, the Help album. I think the um, that that knocked together quickly, mm. uh, and Guy Barker did a fantastic trumpet solo on it. So, so I was introduced to that, and then I heard the original. Um, uh, Otis is sitting on the dock of the bay. So two key words for the price of one there. I think. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, the next one is uh, Madness, and uh, that I believe they're on their night boat to Cairo in that. I one. thought that might, might fuck some people because it's not one of their more well-known hits, though it was a big hit. Well done. And I think you're going to cruise into the last one. I, I and this is the point at which you're going to fall off your chair because I don't know it. You don't know it. I <laughs> Prince of Yacht Rock. Um, he also did um, Ride Like the Wind. Oh, it's Christopher Cross, isn't Christopher. it? I was sailing by Christopher Cross. Takes me away to where I'm... Yeah. <laughs> Well, oh, dear. So, so you got eight, so you yeah, did. You did good, okay. isn't it? Yeah. Well, well, well done for not for not um for not going down the Rod Stewart route there. That I, I know. I I couldn't it. bear it. I just couldn't bear it. It, yeah. it crossed my mind, but I just thought no, uh, because I thought that would be an easy one to finish, and I um. But no, I apparently not. Well, I'm sorry to have to have done a Chris Waddle and skied the ball over the bar at the end. I missed the fifth penalty. But no, once again, Terence, you surpassed yourself in your quizardry. So thank you very much. <laughs> well, you 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 win a speedboat that you can't take out because the police <laughs> say it's not an essential journey. Uh, so, so that's it, bad. It, it depends if I'm going to Tesco's in it. If I'm going to Tesco's with my my shielded parents in it, then yes, I can I can take it. But I'm not I'm I'm not really sure how many aquatic based major supermarkets there are nowadays. Do you know what, do you know what you're, you know how we've joked before about how they used to give away a speedboat if you won the star prize at Bullseye yeah. and what if you lived in a flat in Stoke or well, Coventry? Most, or most of the contestants seem to live in Birmingham, if I remember correctly. <laughs> they did seem to, didn't they? Um, I, I wonder what actually happened. Did they insist on delivering it? And people ended up with a boat parked out on the road with a tarpaulin over it. Mm, or, I or did they give a cash that. alternative? I, I don't know. I don't know. I do know that the reason that Bullseye gave away so many speedboats is that they had a, a tie-in deal with the manufacturer, <laughs> which is not. It's uh, and uh, <laughs> I noticed that there is a there are lots of spoof websites now, and there's one called the South End News Network. And having just googled, there is a uh, there is a, an article caught with the headline of which is investigation reveals hundreds of abandoned speedboats outside homes of bullseye women. So so who knows? I have seen boats on uh, with tarpaulins across them before. I know I maybe next time I see one outside a terrace of houses, I'm going to knock the door and ask if they ever went on bullseye. It's the sort of questions I wake up at three o'clock in the morning and find I'm asking myself. You know, I may never, ever know the answer. But... I, I am sure that listeners to our podcast are grateful that once again, we leave none of the big stones of life unturned. Coming right up, uh, reflections on the revolving door that is the Sugar Babes. Hmm. Um, that's next after Mucha Buena. 
one of my favourite singles of the 2000s. Unbelievably, only reached number 73 on the UK chart, sort of dipped in and dipped out. From 2007, with Amy Winehouse on guest vocals, the mm. splendid Mucha Buena and B-Boy Baby. Yes, very much agree with you. A bit of a bit of a crime that that it wasn't a bigger hit, and uh, particularly you know given the involvement of Amy Winehouse as well, you think that would have perhaps given it a bit higher profile. It's extraordinary. No one will ever beat Juliet's splendid description of the Sugar Babes being the triggers broom of pop music. I just need to correct you and say that 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 I cannot take credit for that description. It belonged to Peter Robinson of Pop Justice. Uh. That said that originally, although I did once describe Sugar Babes as national service for millennials. That was mine. We <laughs> took, it, took it in turns to serve our six months in the Sugar Babes. Um, we used to groups from the 1950s or 60s touring around with the the nephew of one of the original backing singers being as close as we can get to the original lineup mm. but the sugar babes were only formed in the late 90s and then went through transitions that left them with none of the original three in the group to today when further transitions mean that the original three are all back together and um, after a legal battle are able to call themselves the sugar babes again jules Seven successful albums, 27 singles, every single one of them a UK top 40 mm. hit, including six number ones. Hooray for the Sugar Babes. I, I like you. I'm a huge fan of the Sugar Babes. I think they're they're incredible. And actually, I think that great pop bands particularly flourish when they have a rival. I think that, 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 that the Beatles and the Rolling Stones are un, undeniably massively great bands, but I think they were particularly great because they had each other to constantly push against, not necessarily in an aggressive way like Oasis and Blur did, but if you're operating at the top of your game and you are exceptional and there is someone else operating at the top of their game and they are exceptional, it pushes you on, like with the great sporting rivalries, the, the British runners of the 80s, Cram and Overt and Co., and all sort of pushing each other. And I think that the Sugar Babes were very fortunate. They are a brilliant band, a brilliant pop band, female pop band in their own right. They were very fortunate to have Girls Aloud operating at the mm-hmm. same time because they constantly had somebody who they needed to better and vice versa. And both of them have had, you know, hatfuls of hits written by really talented pop writing teams as well as themselves. And I think that that, that is a factor behind it, I think. And I'm not... This isn't me pitting women against each other, by the way. I just want to make that clear. It's pitting, pitting great pop groups against each other. And I think with any it, with any kind of cultural or sporting or you know any kind of uh, sort of uh, arena in life, if you've got someone that you that that you know that you know is hot on your heels, and let's look at the political scenario. Great governments are really created by great opposition, in my view. So so I, I would apply that to the Sugar Babes here. It was a shame that they became a bit of a joke by the constant lineup changes really as they became more frequent towards the end of their sort of their their tenure when they originally lost uh, lost uh, Siobhan and they got was it Heidi Range they got in to replace her that seemed to work and that seemed to be a, a lineup that worked I've talked previously on the podcast about Siobhan's excellent solo albums mm. particularly the second one and how when she was asked if getting the sugar babes back together would stop her producing any more solo work said, well, I've made the record that I want to. That was really good. I don't, I'm not going to make any more solo albums. They are, I, I'm, I'm sorry that it's taken them so long to get the original band back together and then get the name back because, of course, it's quite possible. It was interesting how the original band members formed as MKS mm. and didn't get anywhere. 
And they realised, I think, too late that what they really needed to get somewhere was the name because and it's testament to the success of the sugar names that that name had become a brand. So it took it took several lineup changes for the magic to really kind of the luster to wear off, because for a certain amount of time, people would still buy records if they were by the sugar babes. They were a genuine quality mark. And uh, those records have really endured. I mean, when I went on, I went on the last big Europe march. Last year, I went on the one the one in March, I think, the March March, and we walked behind uh, someone that had made a homemade poster of the Sugar Babes that had how I feel about you now, except you was EU. And this was, you know, several years, at least a decade after that was a hit, I think. And one of our parties said, oh, I don't know how that goes. And three people in our party and two people in the group of people in front of us all burst into the chorus of the song that they, they, they have they have songs that have really borrowed their way into the into the consciousness of of, of you know of, of people that even don't necessarily like pop music that's where they really hit a sweet spot and i think bands like girls allowed have as well in that their music is the sort of music that 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 and any Hindu would probably know Sugar Babe song. <laughs> yeah. Also, my friend that is a very, that is a very tasteful person that works for the, you know that works for the uh, for an arts organisation that you know has very good taste in things. Mm. Um, cannot be controlled when push the button comes on if we're out somewhere. Mm-hmm. Absolutely adores it. It's great. So so they so they have they have that very that very rare and beautiful thing of pop music that that manages to appeal across across kind of borders really across across sort of interests and 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 is just propping its purest form which is so good that anybody likes it and i think and, it, and it's indisputable as well i think that's why people that would otherwise claim to have quote unquote high tastes like it because you just cannot argue with the song like overload which was their real calling card at the beginning it's just a genuinely great pop song and they just they went on a run where they like you said they just produced pop song after great pop song and you know I I was sorry that in the end they sort of collapsed under the weight of themselves simply because you can keep a great brand that they were going for a certain amount of time but eventually people just think well who who are these people (laughs) now you know they're not they're not the original people and I think actually the loss of although they did survive the loss of Matya by getting in Heidi Range who was very cheery as she was at the uh, Liverpudlian I think very cheery good voice you know would always turn up on time to things you know was a kind of a solid acquisition there was something about Matya that like like you rightly say from that record who was just a bit of a star the fact that she's an acquaintance of Amy Winehouse is perhaps not a huge surprise because Mm -hmm. she's always had that slight edge to her there's always been something a little bit she gave them a bit of danger that that great pop groups again have to have it's why the Spice Girls never really recovered from the departure of Jerry Halliwell they lost they lost their kind of maverick that inevitably got too big for their beam row it's a you know a tale as old as time really and, and the longer you can keep a lineup together and the more success you're likely to have really I think so so I am I'm sorry that that, that they went the way they did because when they were a proper force they were genuinely a force to be reckoned with and I really hope that as as time moves on and you know and, and people you know we see what endures in in sort of British pop history I really hope much like ABBA I really hope that if they go through a phase of being unloved and uncool they then somehow get re-embraced again and people realize how good the music is and just how good they were at just banging it out basically.
I'm glad to hear you say that about Mutcher because she genuinely is one of my favourite pop stars of the of you know since the two two thousands. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, despite the bizarre uh, merry-go-round that saw uh, well, Siobhan Donaghy, Mutcher Buena, and Keisha Buchanan, of course, as the original members, and then each of them replaced in turn, only for each of them to return. Um, the standard particularly as you say of the singles it stayed so consistently high mm. over uh, the uh, 10 years of, of chart action to quite a remarkable degree and i was playing their greatest hits album overloaded uh, yesterday and it's one of those rare sort of best of albums that you can play all the way through <laughs> every track's a winner one oddity you talked about borders a minute ago one oddity that i just ca- i can't understand i don't know if you've got a view on why this has been mm-hmm. is that they seem to have absolutely no traction at all in america hard to know why as to me they seem so ready-made mm. uh, for us top 40 radio never had a hit in in the states I don't know why there was always there's always kind of rumours of 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 not personal issues within themselves but personal issues with each other behind the scenes and I think in order to really break America like the Spice Girls genuinely did break America people in America know who the Spice Girls Mm. are Wannabe is still a huge radio hit over there Um, you just have to be absolutely relentless in how you work you can't do an oasis and it will turn out uh, will fall out when you go over there you've just got to be a machine if you want to break america as a british band and you've got to do all the radio stations you've got to work and work and work and in order for you to do that and to do the best possible thing that you can you've got to not fall out with each other and you've got to all be on board and i don't know if that's what did them in i'm not sure but actually it's interesting you say about Mutya. the thing that that really she had a handful of singles she had um four songs in total her first hit real girl got to number two and that was quite big um she had one called just a little bit that got to 65 and one and, and obviously that b-boy baby that got to 73, 73 and then i think she dropped but the song that really got into the public consciousness and i hear this i still hear this play quite regularly i always find it interesting when dance duos i always think what's the psychology it's a bit like x factor in judges houses who do the dance duos want on their records who who do if you're if you're writing a song in a studio and you're quite a big electronic group and you think who do i want singing on my record who who is our voice that we want and sometimes dance duos like that if they've already got a profile can make can make singers not necessarily break singers but they can make them they can pick people out that you wouldn't necessarily think of a lot and Groove Armada did this with Matya Buena they picked her out and they sort of wrote a song for her called Song for Matya brackets out of control it's such a great record Mm, it's it's a wonderful record um and it really did it was, it was, she just, they were originally going to feature Estelle. You might remember Estelle. She mm. had some success and she, mm. she made some great records as well. But having originally decided they were going to, they were going to pick her. Um, Matya Buena then left the Sugar Babes and they decided to make the song into a song for her. And mm-hmm. uh, and it's alleged to be about the person that that replaced her. Um, it wasn't Heidi Range that replaced her. It was a it was Amel Beraba who then was herself replaced towards the end in what can <laughs> only be described as a complete 
cluster F. But anyway, it's a it was a fantastic song because it worked two ways. Because it's meant to be about an ex boyfriend. She's they've denied she denied by the way that it was about about the new girl in the band. But I think lots of people were hearing it that way, which is what made it so good. I think that it was a it was in the great tradition of pop answer records and kind of pop grudges. And that for me, whenever I think of Mutt Year, it's su- it's such a great kind of electronic-y type song. It had a really good video that had lots of uh, sort of pixelated kind of things in it. It's it's a great record, and I think that that it's a good. It's it's amazing how some singers just let people want to work with them people just see something and some some producers see things in pop stars that other people don't they just think yes and she perfectly suited that record it was a match made in heaven they're due to return um lockdowns <laughs> um uh, hopefully providing with yeah. new music later this year so that's your sugar babes i hope so i hope they come back and they're really good because when they were on form they were phenomenal so it would be nice to have them back uh, there seems to be a sort of a a time for for bands of previous success the strokes surprise releasing an album overnight um uh, which is which is a um called the new abnormal which is a curiously apt but uh, yeah the strokes allegedly a return to form from the early 2000s so who knows let's all party like it's 2002 apparently and we're back with news of uh, juliet's new radio shows oh. uh, that's right after you can never have enough of them right after the supremes
always been surprised, and this is going to sound a bit rude, but I don't. Well, I do sort of semi mean it to be, but but I, I won't make it unchild friendly. But Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire was used for an advert for um for hemorrhoid cream in the right. United States. I've always been quite surprised that Itching in My Heart by the Sugar Bay, not by the Sugar Bays, by the Supremes, hasn't been picked up for some sort of medical use as well. Really, yeah, think Gaviscon or something. Yes, you know, I could see them advertising Rennies with this. Why not? Anyway, uh, that aside, that that is one of my favourite Supreme songs. And again, it's a Supreme song that I don't think people necessarily associate with them very much. Or no but it's always been a big favorite of the northern soul clubs up in up in wigan that it, it's a real stomper if you could if you've got a wooden floor and big shoes as i have done in the past it is enormous fun to dance to i think that is great that is the supremes and my love is like an itching in my heart here's a revelation i don't think that was ever released over here because i had never heard that track before really that surprises me gosh i i I assume it can't have been a single because it was the time um, over here in the sort of mid 66, 67 that I knew every single single released in the UK. Just and uh, that was that was new to me. And it's a great track. Yeah, it's it's, it's well, I'm, I'm delighted to introduce you to mm-hmm. it. Great. There was there was quite a long time that cool people had to pretend <laughs> to abhor the music of Toto, Christopher Cross, who we referred to earlier, yeah. Paula Notes. It was written off as middle of the road or adult orientated rock. Um, but um, as I've mentioned before, the notion, I've mentioned this before, uh, the, the notion that punk or any other genre revolutionised the music industry was nonsense. Single buyers in particular were always going to buy records based on what they liked rather than <laughs> by category. It was always that a teenager would go into a record shop and walk out with singles by the jam Elvis Costello and Fleetwood Mac and yes. the Eagles. Now, Jules, you're such a champion of Yacht Rock that you're launching a radio show in celebration. I am. I felt it was time. I was very tempted to call it Yacht Rock You Don't Stop, by the way, but I decided against that because probably the only person that would have found it funny is me. But um, I just thought that, you know, given I I was thinking about sort of comfort things recently because someone was talking about comfort television. I think I think on a podcast I was listening to what sort of things do you binge watch when you're you know, when you're feeling a bit sad. And given that the lockdown status that we're in at the moment, everyone's got sort of time on their hands, um, much more time to consume art and I found myself listening to easy listening music things like magic fm and I and I thought do you know like exactly like you say I spent years pretending that I didn't like that music because mm-hmm. because it wasn't cool but actually it's the sort of music that you would say you disliked yet every single song you would say oh I really like that that's really good oh I love listening to that that reminds me of when I was little that seems to be the because seems to be my generation seems to love yacht rock because we heard it in personal stereos when we were on family holidays to Wales and such like and so I just decided it was the right time to launch my smooth sailing show which is yacht rock easy listening and beyond and I just I just liked the idea of playing upbeat restful uh, relaxing but also sort of cheering and uplifting kind of music that's sort of slightly sing-song in its in its in its kind of a uh, gait it's 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 much like like teenagers buying records in that it isn't particularly one genre it's its own genre so it's it's different sources are smooth soul smooth jazz r&b 
funk and disco. So, for example, if I was to look at one of the one of the various yacht rock playlists on my phone, it would have uh, Toto on it. Obviously, it would have it would have Christopher Cross, but it may also have Elton John. It may also have George Benson. It may also have Genesis in places. If something sounds like yacht rock if it is quite sort of smooth and you know quite melodic then it doesn't matter what genre it is and i really like that and actually yacht rock was very much ahead of its time because i think we've talked on the podcast previously how streaming services mean that there is no genre to, to modern pop music really that we've talked to i think we had a rather chaotic discussion trying to work out what tropical house was once when we were live on air which was you know perhaps perhaps we should have had a pre-show discussion <laughs> on that the partially sighted leading the blind was some feedback we had on that week if i remember correctly but we do <laughs> seem to be in this kind of world now where because teenagers have access and people making music crucially as well the young people making music have easy access to all music that's ever been made through streaming services through through spotify through youtube through through itunes that sort of thing they've got endless amounts of source material to draw on as a result of which stuff is is more genre spanning than ever before but actually you could argue that yacht rock the the idea of having a mindset where you like anything that sounds in a particular way and matter who made it or what genre it come from that uh, yacht rock was there in the late 70s and early 80s you'd say Fleetwood Mac were yacht rock you'd say that Andrew Gold was yacht rock it's I I think I I find it fascinating what you can kind of include in that I think it's brilliant and I just love the idea that it's very kind of sunny and and uh, uh the all, all music's matt collier um to identify the sort of defining rules of the genre of, of yacht rock in 2014 i think it's just so nice keep it smooth even when it grooves with more emphasis on the melody than on the beat so you very rarely get yacht rock stuff that's really kind of thumping and i love this keep the emotions light even when the sentiment turns sad as so often is the case in the world of the sensitive yacht rocksman and i love the fact that 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 seems to be a key tenet at the moment i think even if we are all very sad but there is still some lightness to be found and also always keep it catchy no, no matter how modest or deeply buried in the track list the tune happens to be and you know i think i might start adopt these adopting these yacht rock rules from my life i think terence <laughs> yacht rock it's i it, you were saying about the sun and everything it sounds particularly great in the car for some reason mm-hmm. it's something we can't do at the moment of course but driving on a summer's day with andrew gold yes. i don't know oreo speedwagon bread boston there's such a warm magic to it and by the way, um, I'm, we're, I'm sure we're going to say where we can hear all this uh, in a moment, but as if your Yacht Rock show wasn't enough, <laughs> you're also returning with a show dedicated to Northern Soul. And I feel that Northern Soul has always flown under the radar, even to the present day. Um, now, as you're way too young to have you know, danced the night away um, in Wigan Casino, I suppose, <laughs> what, what's led you to your love of Northern Soul? It's weird, isn't it? I can only think that I was a big Brit popper in the 90s. That's how I cut my musical teeth. And actually, a lot of Britpop was a throwback to the 60s. I was a very big Beatles fan since I was younger. So I was always very into the the idea of if ever anything was 60s, I would listen to it. That's always how I was. So I was a sort of a captive audience of Britpop. And around the margins of Britpop, and of course, I was far too young to, to go to the club, but there was a club called Blow Up. 
in London, mm. which is still going, I think. Mm. It was at San Moritz, I think, originally. Um, it, it's been at all sorts. I think it's at San Moritz now, but it's been at all. It was at the Laurel Tree, I think, for a while. And it became the scene to go to when you, in the early days of Britpop, all the kind of bands would go there. But it was a, it was a, a night that did sort of mod jazz easy listening northern soul motown funk that sort of thing uh james taylor i think was involved in that scene as well not james taylor as in as in mm, fire uh, and rain yes james taylor is in the james taylor quartet, quartet yeah. yeah jtq he was he was involved in that so so as a result of which they then released compilation cds which i help happily hoovered up as a as a young person actually i think the the keys of getting into northern soul really getting into it i went off to university the northern soul there you know they say sometimes there are more rats than there are people in the world there are more <laughs> northern soul compilations than there yes. are rats than there are people in the world and you can usually buy them from supermarkets for about five quid or motorway service stations i've got loads of northerns if a northern soul compilation is five pounds and i haven't got six songs on it i will buy that compilation no matter what else is on it because it just you know because i just say oh yeah you know i want those and there's there's just something about it I love the aesthetics of it as well. The mod aesthetic, I, I think we talked about this before, I really, really love. I just, I love the, I love, tar- I mean, I'm looking at a mug with a target on it in my eye line. I love the colours. I love the red, white and blue. I love this kind of the, the sharp lines to it. I, I love the fact that, that you know, that they're, I, I watched Quadrophenia when I was probably too young and that kind of changed me forever. I love Lambretta scooters. I just, everything about it, I love the iconography that goes with it as much as the music really and i love the fact and i think this is perhaps key to it that i could buy a fred perry shirt and that would suit a, a polo shirt that would suit a brit pop outfit but it could also be a northern soul outfit as well and maybe that was it maybe it was very easy to repurpose stuff i already liked but i you know there's something about northern soul that that uh, uh, not just motown but particularly northern soul the idea that you can go to a club and just dance we used to go to the funky fish in brighton which used to be the catfish club for many years and it was the first time that I felt able to go to a club where I liked all the music. It wasn't, you know, horrible kind of blary Euro dance and, you know, terrible people that were drunk that I felt like I had nothing in common with. It was it was, you know, brilliant music. And the people that went to them were always really lovely. I got chatted up by the nicest man once and I felt so bad when I had to tell him that I couldn't go out with him. But we had such a nice time. It was such a lovely club. And I just and it was just brilliant music that people just danced to. And no one looked at how you were dancing. It was just a really friendly, lovely atmosphere. And I think that for all that Northern Soul could get very competitive, actually, I've always found it to be a very friendly and embracing scene. And I think it, I think it's great. I love it. Most of the Northern soul I know has come from what uh, some people might think an unlikely source come from Tony Blackburn over the years when he was on the pirate radio ships in the sixties and then on BBC radio London for decades, he has championed Motown soul and of course, including Northern soul. And of course your show is on the radio um, when you've done similar shows before. Now I'm sure you're going to 
uh, post links on social media. But if people uh, don't um, really use Twitter or Facebook much, um, where, where and when can they find these shows well, that you're well, presenting? If people would like to hear me, then it would be lovely for them to come along. Um, so the, the Saturday Social, as it's called, will be back on Saturday evening from 6 until 7. And the, the uh, Smooth Sailing Yacht Rock show will be back, well, rather, will be here, won't be back. It's never happened before. Mm. 7 till 9 on Sunday evening evening and they they can both be found um at my mixler channel so you go to mixler.com which is mx m-i-x-l-r so like tumblr in that they kind of take all the vowels mm. out. it's mixler so m-i-x-l-r.com and then forward slash juliet hyphen harris so that is my channel as they call it on mixler so if you go to mixler.com forward slash juliet hyphen harris that's where i will be live broadcasting from on saturday and sunday evening and if we if we do follow you on social media, if we didn't yeah, get so that, then you'll probably put a link up and we can just click on it and get. Yes, yeah, so I'll be I'll be um, I'll be posting. There's a Saturday social uh, Twitter and there's my Twitter, which is probably the best place to find me, which mm. is at SuperJules84. I tweet um, incessantly on that. So uh, so yes, if you can wade through comments on the government of the day and my back pain and videos <laughs> of cats falling off things, you can probably find some content there somewhere. But no, I'm really looking forward to kind of chatting about this music i love chatting about it with you it's great but i'm looking forward to kind of playing mm. length and having a having a sort of a nice time hopefully people can listen and kind of come together a bit as well i think that's mm. quite important in these times well everyone as always thanks so much for listening um it's lovely that you're there as always yes thank you and jules one of the great northern soul classics to play us out Yes, I thought I, I felt that, you know, I had to go for a real proper banger. Um, and also I felt it fitted the times as well, really. I, you know, I, I, I think people are very much, although, you know, it's fine to feel different things at different times, different things at the same time. But I think people particularly like um, uplifting music at the moment. And there is no more music uplifting than this. I adore this song. It just makes me happy the minute that I hear it starting. And whenever I play this in bars or I play this at a record night once and the first two hits of on the drums at the beginning is enough for people to recognise usually, which I think is great. It will go and someone at the other end of the bar will go yeah, and then it will and then it will kick in and everyone will dance and I love it. So this is the great Curtis Mayfield and move on up. Hush now, child, and don't cry. Your folks might understand you by and by. Just move on up. Toward your destination Though you may find From time to time Complication
listening to a parish council production <laughs> <laughs>